You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Some, uh, I heard some interesting things happened on the uh, the Rawcast this week. Yeah, yeah. God, I've been off since yesterday. But geez, I had so much shit going on. I haven't, you know, I was able to get in the pay per view last night, mm-hmm. and then I got home tonight. And I was like, shit, I need to watch Raw and SmackDown. And so much was happening on Raw. It's like I couldn't really fast forward through most of it. And then I had to like. Fast forward through SmackDown just to see if there was a retaliation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's why I, that's why I went through SmackDown about ten minutes. Exactly but, what it deserves. Well, I mean, I'm going back to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's just, yeah. That's kind of just what I had in mind. That's fine. So, that's all you need. That's all you need. I had to do what I had to do, man. You do, and that's that's to get prepped for episode 181 of the A Foreign Affair podcast. Here, Edward Green and Wes Bradshaw bringing it to you here another weekend in the Premier League. And unbeknownst to me until like 2.30 yesterday afternoon, another week of the League the league Cup. That, Yay! Forgot, forgot that was a thing. Still, I refuse so, to call it. Sounds like, sounds like sounds like Pochettino did too. So. Yeah, it's fine. I don't care. Um, and it's it's great because now I doubly never have to reference its new corporate name ever again. It's great. I mean, seriously, neither of us make it past what the third round. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, yeah. Fourth round. I don't know. Whatever, whatever round this is, it doesn't matter anymore at all. It doesn't. It really doesn't. So we're just going to do a I mean, quick, we'll, quick we'll let you. We'll, we'll let you guys know what happened, but and in the future we'll let you know what happens. But yeah. just know our hearts aren't in it. It's it's like the Europa League. We really don't care until we make the final. Then we care again. <laughs> until Liverpool's really getting no, never mind. That's not. Nah. No, that's what we're good as in the Champions. <laughs> that's a that's another Merseyside team. What are you talking about? Hey, great, great news this weekend. I was able to clear some space very quickly on my DVR by not having to watch the Liverpool match. Oh, good for you. I'm glad you won't be able to talk about the Afford Affair Derby. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit about it still. Um, oh, it'll be one oh of... I, have a, I have opinions, sir. I just, I just did not oh. put myself through the 90 minutes of hell. I don't blame you. Um, no one really should have had to do that. Um, we'll also hit news and notes, of course. Watch for and so raw. As always, this podcast presented to you by NGSC Sports. NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Um, we'll get quickly to the matches we're not going to discuss today in depth. Uh, a Glenn Murray brace 
gives Brighton and Hove Albion, I want to say, and I'm going to quickly look it up here, yes, their first Premier League win on the road at the Olympic Stadium, beating West Ham 3-0. Again, Glenn Murray with the braces, first goal coming just 10 minutes in. That was Friday night football. uh, As we took it to Saturday, Saturday, um, the first match, it was a bit of a stormer. Chelsea for Watford 2. Uh, Watford actually took a 2-1 lead on Roberto Perez's uh, 49th minute goal. But the the man every Chelsea fan hates. And then and then as soon as he scores, he's like, oh, I love that guy. I, n- I never made racist comments about him. Of course not. Uh, Michi Bachwe. Uh, scored two goals in the match, including a 95th minute uh, fourth goal. Um, but he had the equalizer in the 71st, as well as Chelsea get a big win over a surprisingly strong Watford team. Uh, Man City beat Burnley 3-0. That's what they just they just keep scoring goals and they keep winning matches and and we'll see if if at least in the Premier League that comes to a uh, a slowdown anytime soon. It is it is starting to get a bit nippy around here. I will say that. Um, Newcastle beats Crystal Palace 1-0. Oh, the feel-good Crystal Palace lasted one week. Um, Only goal in the match coming in the 86th minute from Mikel Moreno uh, for Newcastle as he gets the winner there. Uh, Bournemouth beats Stoke with two early goals. Um, One from Andrew Surman. The other from Junior Stanislas on a penalty. Mohamed Diouf got one back for Stoke in the second half, but it wasn't enough. Um, Swansea falls to Leicester 2-1 at the Liberty. Uh, Shinji Okazaki with what would become the eventual winner in the 49th minute. Uh, Alfie Mawson got one for Swansea, but that was all they could muster. Southampton beats West Brom 1-0. Um, with maybe the goal of the week, Sofiane Buffal with an amazing uh, one-man effort to get that one in in the 85th minute. All right, Wes, uh, the three matches now we are going to talk about. Real quick with the first one, though, um, Huddersfield. Huddersfield Town. David Wagner played beautiful music and led Manchester United to their first loss of this Premier League season. Uh, Marcus Rashford got one back late for uh, United, but Huddersfield with the big 2-1 win. And uh, Wes, this was a team, you know, that was that was keeping right up with City for the most part. Um, but they suffer their first loss, and and right now, without the great Paul Pogba, um, do United maybe start to look a little vulnerable? Uh, are they missing Pogba or Marilyn Fillet anymore? Well, that that's, that's and I don't. I'm not actually saying that tongue in cheek or as a joke at all. <laughs> yeah, and, and sadly, that is not actually you know me just being an asshole. Uh, one of David Wagner's visions comes true. They beat United at home. Um, uh, start really quick. Great, great, great job by Huddersfield Town. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a team who's come in. They know they don't have the talent of a lot of these other Premier League clubs, but they go out, they execute their game plan as as well as about anybody in the league. They execute this week to perfection. They're a team that's very good at taking their chances, mm-hmm. and 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 they get the job done. They get a huge three points, and you know we talk about teams when you're when you're bat, when you're going to be in the relegation scrap. 
which you still got to believe Huddersfield is going to finish closer to the relegation zone than to the top 10 by the end right. of the year. You just kind of sure. figure. I mean, they might prove me completely wrong, but, you know, anywhere you're able to grab three points is massive. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to do it against what right now looks like a pretty pretty solid top four team, mm-hmm. I mean, that's big time. It, it's an awesome job by Huddersfield. Now to get on to what, you know, sells our T-shirts. Uh, you know, the big squads, you, Man United, uh, not joking at all. They really, really look like they're missing the, uh, the physical presence of Fellaini. Mm-hmm. Um, Mourinho, Mourinho seems to have tapped into his, uh, you know, his inner Scotsman, if you know what I mean, <laughs> and has found a way to make Fellaini somewhat of an effective player for him. I mean, for a guy who, you know, doesn't want to play any sort of beautiful football, I mean, Fellaini's, Fellaini's perfect for that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the Moisey the Moisey the and the Mourinho is coming out, I guess. But for what mm-hmm. it is. Great Manchester uh, managers. I mean, also, just, just to throw it in there, United just doesn't look like a very good road team this year. Yep, I mean, sure, they haven't also... Road. Yeah, I mean, they haven't lost a match yet, but, yeah, they did have a pair of draws. Um, after this week, a lot of people were really looking at Mourinho like, why the hell didn't you attack Liverpool? <laughs> um, but, I mean, on top of that, they just – they certainly don't seem like they have the same spark when they're away from Old Trafford as they do when they're there. I mean, we've seen the Champions League. We've seen it uh, now in the Premier League this year. And that's probably what's going to keep them from winning the title this year is I just don't think they're going to pick up enough road points. Mm-hmm. Still brutal, brutal to have to go play at Old Trafford. I mean, nothing's changing there. It doesn't look like that's going to be a tough place to get points this year. But United look like they are <clears throat> vulnerable enough on the road. That, that that could spell their undoing. But, yeah, they came into this game and they just <clears> – <throat> You know, over the last week, United's played three matches. They played the midweek Champions League match, mm-hmm. and they never looked good in any of them. No, you know, we obviously went into depth last week about the parking of the bus at Anfield, mm-hmm. uh, about the just the really drab play at Anfield. We t- we touched on it, but didn't go into much detail about uh, how they had to beat. I believe it was Benfica. Uh, yes, it was the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, either way, I mean, they they have they beat a yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but they beat Benfica, I mean, basically against a a debutant goalkeeper who had a howler, Mm -hmm. you know, they didn't look good in that, and then they turn around and they go to Huddersfield. And they look somewhat abject again. You know, if you're a United fan, you know, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta win, you gotta draw out of that. But that, that cannot be very, that cannot be a very positive feeling mm-hmm. right now for United. They, they do not look a team that can contend for a title, at least based on the last week. Well, and I think that's why you know this week's match. Granted, it will be at Old Trafford. Um, but having to play Spurs now, a team they're level with in the table, um, and also we say you know Old Trafford has been so far through four matches a fortress this season. 
Tottenham is four wins, no losses, no draws on the road this season. Um, so that, and we'll, we can preview that a little more later. But that that is a match where if if United really want to show their bona fides and show their they're returning a corner, th- that's a match where we're going to need to see something, you know. And that's and I don't think Mourinho can really park the bus against Spurs, so I'm going to be very interested to see what kind of what kind of tactic he throws out there because obviously what he tried against Huddersfield, as you said, in the midweek against uh, Benfica. Uh, and even against Liverpool, I don't think is going to do it uh, this weekend. It'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, he talked about, you know, the reason he parked the bus at Liverpool was it was a road match. Well, you're playing a team that is similar to Liverpool in mm-hmm. their verve for attacking. Uh, now, now, obviously, we've also touched on Liverpool and Everyone wants to sit there and say Liverpool and Spurs are a lot alike. They have similarities, but they play really totally different games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I agree with you. I'm, I'm interested to see if Mourinho's going to take the tactic at home of all places yeah. of maybe trying to sit back against a Spurs team that you know is going to come at you. They're not going to play scared football. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, that's going to be, that's really, really going to be something to keep an eye on this week because right now United are feeling some pressure and it's internal pressure, but it's also pressure from the fan base because it's one thing, it's one thing to play Mourinho ball and win Mm -hmm. and win trophies because there's, you know, you can make the trade off. Well, you know, Hey, we want trophy at least, but when you're not winning something, and then you're still playing this drab, uninspiring football, especially somewhere like United. You know, Klopp kind of said it tongue-in-cheek when he said it, but there are certain places you cannot get away with playing that kind of football unless you're bringing home trophies consistently. United is one of them. Yeah, certainly. So that's that's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on this weekend. Um, see what United lines up against the Spurs. Uh, our second of three matches we'll talk about. Um, not so much of the actual play in this one, but, uh, it's, it's the first one when, as I, I texted you, um, uh, on the weekend and, and not a gloating fashion at all. When it's, when I texted <laughs> you, if somebody had told me in the morning when I first woke up that North London would beat Merseyside on aggregate nine, three, I would have felt really bad that Everton <laughs> lost to Arsenal nine nil. Um, <laughs> And that's or or or, or six nil, and we had a three three draw. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, that would have been entertaining. Um, oh God, Arsenal beats Everton five two at Goodison. Uh, it was so bad. Mesut Ozil scored a goal, um, and this was after Wayne Rooney, who they they showed the highlights of. You know, it was I think sixteen years ago. He when he was sixteen years old, uh, coming on in one of his first matches with Everton, uh, putting in a wonder goal against Arsenal at home, and uh, for Everton, and then and then doing it again. You know, all these years later, he does it in the twelfth minute. Everton's flying high up one nil, and then Arsenal scores four unanswered, starting with Nacho Monreal in the first half. Then it's Ozil, Lacazette, Ramsey in the second. So, you know, everybody. You know, watch out for old people. Vince Scully was out of the Dodgers game, World Series game tonight. You might want to put a well, detail on him. Well, look now, Benson's already died. Oh. You know, the old dude. 
Yeah. He's, he's like, he's that guy. Benson died. Yeah. And somebody else died. We've already had some deaths. Oh, he's oh, already killed all the couple this week. The singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The singer. Yeah. Yeah. God, yes. Ramsey has struck. It's kind of a little under, it's more like under the radar this time, mm-hmm. but still. It was, that's still. what happens when it's the fourth goal out of five. Um, Omar Niasi mm-hmm. looked to get one back to Everton in the 93rd minute. You think, okay, it ends 4 2, and then Alexis Sanchez scored like a minute later. It was just, it was bad. It was bad for Everton. And uh, as we'll talk about in news and notes, it led to the manager getting fired. Um, this is one of those we talked a little bit last week, Wes, when we were live. Um, you know, can Arsenal be saved? Yes, they just put five up and, and get a big convincing win, but it was against a team that is in the relegation zone and yeah. just fired their manager. And which didn't... some some podcast called would probably happen before we came back. Yeah, I wonder which one that. Oh, it was us. Um, we're, go- we're good. We're good when we're together. In when we're good we are good um um, but this is this was a game you know i i I just i want to hold off on the arsenal hype train a little bit um because this let's not take away too much from this match yes it was good from a confidence building point but i I remember reading an article where somebody said um if if arsenal are in crisis coming into this match than everton have already eaten the suicide pill and the house is burning down around them. It's like, that's that's the discrepancy here. So while, yes, it is a big win for Arsenal to go on the road and, and do that, it, it, it needs to be prefaced with, this was a Everton team who had looked like they were quitting on their manager as the game progressed and then he got fired. So I, I don't want to read too much in this Arsenal victory. I mean, really, and that's not the takeaway from Arsenal. By the way, Fats yeah. Domino died today. That's, that's who, died. who it was. That's it, yeah. So he's killed Robert Guillaume and uh, Fats Domino. Robert Guillaume, of course, known as Rafiki. Yeah. For for the, the younger the younger crew, Rafiki in The Lion King. But he was in Benson and Soap. He was fantastic. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, you know, on paper, when you just say, oh, well, man, you went and beat the shit out of Everton and Goodison. I mean, that sounds great. But then, as you said, Everton's in the relegation zone right now. They fired their manager. They're a team who literally looked across Stanley Park at Liverpool, who a few seasons ago kind of did the same thing Everton did. They sold their big star player. Mm-hmm. They sold, When Liverpool sold Luis Suarez, Everton sold Romelu Lukaku. And both squads, instead of going out and getting a superstar to replace them, they said, we're going to build our squad. Hey, well, Everton, yeah. Everton, yeah, exactly. How did it work for y'all? Mm. Um, Everton looked at Liverpool, their neighbors, and said, man, you remember how they fucked up spending that Suarez money? <laughs> Somebody hold my pint. <laughs> <laughs> and they went out and spent their money on absolute shit. Jordan Pickford notwithstanding. Yeah, Jordan Pickford's legit. He's he's good, but I mean, God, when the goalkeeper's the best thing you buy all summer, yeah, um, but he's the best buy, and they're still giving up five. That's probably an yeah. issue. I mean, Everton spent a hundred million pounds on shit. Yeah, and and it's shown. I mean, when you look at them, this is a team who, you know, with Lukaku, and you know, our opinion on Lukaku. I think Lukaku is a flat track bully, but still. Yeah. 
you know, Lukaku offered bite, he offered pace, he offered power up front. And you basically trade you basically traded Lukaku and got the carcass of Wayne Rooney. Yeah. And you know, the thing about Wayne Rooney is he's good for the for a goal here or there, but that's literally all Wayne Rooney offers you anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't do all the other things that made Wayne Rooney an elite world class player for all those years at United. You know, he can't track, he can't tackle. Uh, he doesn't make those killer dynamic passes he made from the forward position for playing as a number 10. He doesn't do any of those things anymore. He literally stands out there, and if the ball happens to come to him in the box, he still has the reflexes of a guy who scored a shit ton of goals in his life, and he can still turn and knock one in every now and then. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you basically have gotten older and much slower. They are. They might be the slowest team in the Premier League. Yeah. Now, obviously, that comes from a Liverpool fan who, you know, truth be told, we might be the fastest team in the Premier mm-hmm. League. But you look around at the top teams, you know, Spurs can run. City United can run. City can run. United, when they want to, they can run. Mm-hmm. You know, Arsenal, when they want to, they can run. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, United have some burners, especially up front. And then you've got Everton, and Everton looked like this old, plotting, just group of of crap. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very poorly put-together team. It's a team that's not put together for the rigors of the Premier League. Uh, And the thing is, there's nothing you can do about it until at least January. And now you've got to think, okay, you know, Everton's owners put a put a good little chunk of money into the team, the new owners. They came in, gave you the cash infusion. Well, now none of those guys, once again, save Jordan Pickford, the goalie, none of those guys are doing anything for you. Mm-hmm. How much are they going to look to invest in January? Now, of course, I think they will do something to try to keep this team up because they, they didn't invest – yeah, I mean, they obviously didn't come in and put money into a team to have them go down. Sure. I mean, that that's, you know, for, for let's let's call them the big seven, the Merseyside, the Londons, the Manchesters. For one of those teams to get relegated, I mean, not finish 12th, but to get relegated. I mean, in this day and age, I cannot think of a bigger disaster. I mean, I can't think of anything that would be worse. You know, you can get beat 20 to nil as long as you don't get relegated. Um, and right now, Everton, now, granted, we are still early. This is, what, we're nine matches in. I mean, Everton still have, you know, 29 matches. Or, what, 29, yeah, 29 matches. They still got 29 matches to pull themselves out. And I would yeah. still put a lot of money that they will. But right now, I mean, that's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. As bad as shit is for Liverpool at the moment, just think of how much worse it could be if Everton weren't just the dumpster fire of dumpster fires right now. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you've kind of hit the Everton issues on the head. I would also say, just as we were kind of clearing up about Arsenal a little bit and not, not trying to heap too much praise on them, we do need to remember this was a 2-1 game uh, when Idrissi Gueye uh, took an unbelievably stupid red card. 
um, to go to. Uh, it was a second yellow, and Everton went down to ten men. Um, so until that point, Everton, for all the crap that they are, still had a way back into the game. Um, then obviously, once they went down to ten men, that was never going to happen. But as as bad as this Everton team was. They still could have picked up a draw against Arsenal uh, until that red card came out. So that's that's yeah, where I'm Arsenal, just, Arsenal kind of flattered to deceive on the day. A little bit, as much as a five-two scoreline can, um, I, I I would certainly agree with that. So um, we'll talk a little, maybe talk a little bit more about Everton once we hit news and notes. Um, but now for our final Premier League match, the one the one oh. West did not really watch. Oh, did Watford play again? Yes. Uh, I, since we've been doing this podcast, I've never been able to read a scoreline like this. Uh, Tottenham 4, Liverpool 1 in the Affordable Fair Podcast. I still think it's a typo somewhere. But. It's really weird. I, I just I watched the match, and I still don't quite believe it. Um, Harry Kane with the brace. I mean, that seems normal until you also realize that Sonny scored and Deli Ali scored. Um, Mo Salah scored, which makes perfect sense. But somehow all these things revolving together just don't really add up the way this game, this, uh, this fixture has gone the past five or six years. Um, also, of quick note, a record Premier League attendance yep. uh, at Wembley. Uh, 80,827 people <laughs> at this match. That is amazing. Um, 80,000 80, people to watch Lovren come out in the 30th minute with no injury. So let, let's, let's start <laughs> with watch. that. And 80,000 people. To watch the end of Dejan Lovren's Premier League career. Which I loved. And, you know, I, not, not, I, I shouldn't say I loved, because I, I didn't love him coming off, because I, I, I don't want to take that much joy in it. But what I did love was was Arlo White, you know, when they were getting the news that he was being taken off, and him saying, and I can hear him trying to keep a straight face on the broadcast, we hear he's coming off. Because of injury. Yes, there, there is an injury question. We'll have to see whether he goes straight into the tunnel or not. And then he does it, and you're like, of course he did. So, yes. I, I guess the, let's... The injury, yeah. the injury was the uh, contusion to his ego. Yeah. Um, I mean, we knew Lovren could be bad, but... Oh, man. Well, and to save a few blushes for uh, Mr. Lovren... <laughs> you know, as Jurgen Klopp said, has said after the match, uh, don't think it was all Dejan Oh, no, no, of course not. Lovren uh, just had some very, very evident yeah. mistakes that were made. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, Klopp could have maybe stuck with him to halftime. Considering it ended up being 3-1 at the half. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. shit, Lovren or no Lovren. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really I'm really kind of waiting to see where this is going to go. I mean, is Lovren, Lovren, excuse me, is Klopp, was Klopp more trying to send a message or is this legitimately, potentially the end of Dejan Lovren at Liverpool? Mm-hmm. Now, here's my here's my issue with that. Um, I don't see how it can be the end of him at Liverpool because we don't have any other center back. <laughs> I mean, we're 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 brutally, brutally thin at thin at center back. 
we've been lucky that the injury bug hasn't bitten us. Knock on wood as I say that. Um, Maddox, Maddox, you can't save the blushes of Maddox the other day. He sucked ass. That was, he that was, was like, I think, the more surprising thing to me as I watched the game uh-huh. was because, you know, Lovren has had his moments. We, we, we mm-hmm. know this. We've, we've been over them. Um, Maddox looked poor. And and I because I've yeah. watched him, you know, I've watched him play not against Spurs, and I've watched him play against Spurs, mm-hmm. and he's generally been very good against them. But mm-hmm. this this match, he was I, I Lovren was obviously <clears throat> bad just because the the goals were scored directly off of him, and he looked and he yeah. just looked lost at times. Yeah. Matip, when you watched replays, looked badly out of position a couple times. Matt has not had the sophomore campaign. I mean, he's having some of the sophomore jinx. Sure. Because he has not had nearly the calming influence that he did of a season ago. You know, a lot of people say, myself included, if Matt had been healthy and available all of last season, we might have really pushed more for third place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, there was, you know, during the disastrous January of 2017, mm-hmm. you know, Madden wasn't injured, but, but Madden was being held out by FIFA mm-hmm. due to the uh, African Cup of Nations uh, controversy mm-hmm. with him not playing at the AFCON. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we didn't have him for that, for that. And, you know, he did miss some different spots with injuries in which we suffered. But when Madden was on the field a season ago, the Liverpool defense was it was really the best version of itself, especially that late run in the season where you know, Liverpool suddenly turned into like an offensive juggernaut over the last six weeks and mm-hmm. you know, pushed the drug their way into the Champions League spot. Matip has really, really regressed this season. He doesn't look good at all. Lovren looks terrible. The thing about Lovren is Lovren can go one match and look like and look like a potentially world-class center back. Mm-hmm. And Lovren is the master of just when, you know, we think he's figured it out. He'll say, hold on a second. Let me prove to you that I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, his, his moments, his moments in his Liverpool career go range from the absolute sublime you know, the, the match winner against Dortmund in the Europa mm-hmm. League that is just in, ingrained in Anfield lore, one of the great European goals on the great And it was Lovren who did it. <laughs> to to this, which is Lovren was pulled in the 30th minute with no injury mm-hmm. and, and replaced by a winger who we then moved a 19-year-old to center back and a midfielder to right back. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Um, the the question is, and the, the issue remains, and the question is, you know, once again, we have three recognized senior center defenders. Matip, his form sucks. Lovren is a grease fire, but still, he would not bring on Ragnar Klopp. Yeah, that's that to me is like I've been waiting now for I guess a little over a year. Okay. Okay, you either have to start playing Ragnar Klavan in situations like this, or or you have to get rid of him. Like there, there's. But, but but here's the thing: Ragnar Klavan is not built to play against someone like Spurs. 
or you know, or City or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Ragnar Klavan was signed to be our fifth center back, mm-hmm. and then through injury and through uh, uh, Mamadou Sako pulling his little shit that he never recovered from, Klavan ended up as like our number three center back. <laughs> And, I mean, he was never – this guy was supposed to play, like, cup matches, not be playing in the crux of the Premier League or the Champions League. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be playing – and now suddenly this year he's your third center back. No, ideally, Joel Maddox should be your third center back, and Lovren should be your fourth center back, <laughs> which if Liverpool fans have their way in January, might be the case at the end of January. Um <laughs> I mean, it's it's really it's it's coming to fruition. And here's the thing: Liverpool should be okay with that central back duo mm-hmm. against the bottom half of the Premier League against Maribor. I mean, God, Lovren was here's Lovren was magnificent against Maribor. Yeah, like, absolutely magnificent. So, you know, it's one of those things that. It comes back on Klopp, and I am i am still, you know I'm as big a Klopp supporter as you'll find. Klopp fucked up this summer. Well, here's the thing. I want to know who fucked up. Was it yeah. Klopp? Somebody did. Somebody fucked up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I'm of the opinion that it was Klopp thinking and just having it in his head to the end of the day that he was getting Virgil van Dyke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who... You know, the, the anti-FSGers want to say, oh, well, you, I, I bet they weren't going to give him the money to go get anybody he wanted. I don't believe that. I believe the money was there. I believe Klopp has a whole hell of a lot of more decision-making than Brendan Rodgers ever had. Mm-hmm. I just believe Klopp was fixated on one or two players, and he couldn't get them. And he, I believe he dropped the ball and didn't come up with a really good backup plan. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, all you hear from him is, well, you know, we've looked at a million different center backs, and, uh, you know, they're just, they're not good enough for us. I, I cannot believe, I, you know, I believe that, you know, Virgil van Dyke may be the guy, mm-hmm. and that he may be the one, and there's no one else out there that you think is as good as him. But you cannot tell me that there are not a few guys that we could have gone and gotten who aren't better, or at least on the same level, or better than Lockhart. Well, and I'll tell you what, you know, I, I don't know how gettable he would have been because I don't remember exactly when he signed. Uh-huh. But there was a guy who lined up on the other side who came into yep. the Premier League this season named Davinson Sanchez, yep. who I think is maybe 22, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I don't know if he's that old. Uh, yeah, he's, let he me might see. Be 20, 21. 90, 96, 6, 12, 96, so 21. He just, yeah. just turned 21 a few months ago. Um, yeah. And has looked, now granted, he's paired with maybe the two best center backs in the Premier League. But mm-hmm. he has looked really, really, really good for Spurs so far this year. And I would be, I mean, that's that's a guy, I don't know that he's better than Virgil van Dijk, but mm-hmm. he's better than what's currently playing at Liverpool in that position. Mm-hmm. And and apparently it w- that was asked, well, what about the Sanchez? Well, we looked at him and we weren't interested. That's bullshit. I call bullshit on that. <sighs> I mean, I'm just, you know, that's why I wonder, I really wonder some where this is coming from because you know Jurgen Klopp is not a dummy. Yeah. 
I mean, he's not, he's not, he's, I don't think he's Mourinho level Mensa. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jurgen Klopp is no dummy. And Jurgen Klopp knows, I mean, he knows that this, this group he has in the middle is not good enough. Unless the plan was literally, look, we've got to make it to, to January. You know, we've got some inside knowledge that we can get a couple guys in January. And we just need to go out and outscore people till then. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that was the absolute, that that is the absolute worst idea. Because if you look at Liverpool, we've talked about obviously this year, they've had so many opportunities and just squandered them goal wise. Mm -hmm. So they've, if that was the plan, they've had that chance. It's just they haven't been firing. And the thing is, the more the more pressure gets amped up, the more the mistakes amplify themselves. Yeah. You know, if, if Liverpool were – I mean, let's say if Liverpool had two more wins in the Premier League instead of draws um, and, and were sitting right up there with, you know, City and United and Tottenham right there in that top three, then, you know, it could it can be written off a little easier. Mm-hmm. But whenever when shit when shit's hitting the fan and things aren't going your way and then this happens, that's when you know everything just completely magnifies itself. And <clears throat> Liverpool are just finding themselves in a tough spot right now. You know, we were hoping the Maribor win was gonna just flip the switch and get things going. Um that said, Tottenham you know, Tottenham maybe wasn't the team that you really wanted to hit right now. Yeah. You know, coming out of their performance at the Bernabeu, you know, that's a team brimming with confidence who's playing well. And for Liverpool, you know, I'm, I'm not making any excuse. I would love to see maybe that match when Liverpool's flying high mm-hmm. uh, and see if it would have been any different. But but the, the reality at the end of the day was that was the deal. You've got to go. You've got to play the match. Um, so... It was a tough one. I mean, it's very tough. Uh, Spurs seem like they're figuring out this whole Wembley thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're get they're obviously they're sh- they're they're showing much better there, and they came ready to play on the day. Uh, Liverpool looked slow and sluggish in the midfield. Uh, obviously, the issues at the back. They didn't have the bike going forward, uh, even though you know, even though. Um, Salah did score again, and he's having a he's off to a fantastic start to the season. But every time something like this happens, it just all all of those questions start bubbling up, mm-hmm. and everything comes to the surface. Uh, you know, Mignolet pretty much gave up the fourth goal yeah. with the uh, with out there flapping at a damn crossing. So you know, suddenly that's uh, where that hasn't been an issue. You know, people haven't had an issue with Mignolet. Well, now, oh, my God, you got to get rid of them. Oh, God, we've got to get rid of all these goalkeepers and start fresh. Oh, God, we've got to have center backs. Oh, God, we don't have an out-and-out striker, and that's our problem up front. It's just at a club like Liverpool or United or City or any of these big clubs, I mean, you've seen it at Arsenal. You're seeing it at Chelsea right now. When things aren't going your way, People get really, really, really hypersensitive when thing when someone makes mistakes or when someone's not playing up to the potential they should be playing to, and that's just where Liverpool is right now. And the thing is, the best thing they can do is go out and get a couple of wins. 
But when you've got this kind of black cloud hanging over, sometimes that is the hardest thing to do is just get, just go out and get a, a boring, basic win. Now, you know, they got Huddersfield coming to town this week. You should think, okay, well, hey, that's a great place to get back. And this Huddersfield who just beat United. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is Huddersfield who, you know, has shown no fear. This is Huddersfield who, who knows Jurgen Klopp better than Wagner? Mm-hmm. You know, who, sh- who would know how to set up to face a Jurgen Klopp team better than David Wagner? So, you know, what, two months ago when you look at the schedule – all right, man, yeah, we've got this rough patch. You know, we play United, and then we play Spurs. Oh, psh, but then we got Huddersfield. We're fine. And now you're sitting there, oh, shit, Huddersfield. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, for Liverpool, they're they're just going to have to find a way to get some things going back their way. Um, everyone wants, you know, we talk about being reactionary. Well, oh, God, the, the, the chase for the top four is over. No, it's not. No. Literally two points out of fourth or out of a Champions League spot. Calm down. It's a sprint. It's a it is a campaign. Yes. As Josie would say, it's a campaign. Um you know, there as we said earlier, twenty nine matches left. The first nine do not spell complete doom or gloom if you don't do exactly what you want to do out of them. Um so I mean, for Liverpool, the the carrot is still there for them to get. They just they really need to take the Spurs game and just burn the tape. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah, and, and even and, like, and, and, well, and, and now the question just comes down to: Do you put Lovren back in? Do you go with Joe Gomez? Do you go with Clavin? There are just so many questions at the back right now that I think the, I think Klopp just wants to get to Saturday so he can do something. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and you know, just, just talking about burning the tape, I mean, you could tell in the second half after after the second Kane goal made it 4-1. I, there, there was moments when, I, I remember there was a moment Coutinho um, did one of his patented moves from just outside the the top corner of the, the box and, and just put a shot on goal, and, mm-hmm. and, and Lloris made an absolutely incredible save. And and yep. you could you could just tell on Coutinho's reaction like well I guess I guess this just isn't our day and, and, it's, and it's a reaction like well that's that <laughs> yeah and, and and then I think um, Moreno tried one like a minute later and and it wasn't even nearly as close because um, good good try yeah. Moreno um, but I I think that's that's kind of how they need to have is like that's they they gave up two quick goals. That, that sometimes happens. They they did get one back from Salah and what was... I, I think the weird thing is Spurs didn't try like they have in the past with Liverpool to super hard press. And I mm-hmm. think they just tried to sort of play a more controlled style, which is mm-hmm. something that... And it's and it's not that... This is, this is not Josie parking the bus territory. We're not talking no, about that. No. This was a... We're going. We're not going to play high up tempo, you know, press, press, press like we have sometimes against Liverpool. This was a more all right. We're going to play out of the back. We're going to mm-hmm. set up. We're going to be patient. We're going to maintain possession. And when we get an opening against what, as we've been describing for the last 10, 15 minutes, is a fairly weak defense right now, we're we like our chances. And if we get enough chances, we're probably going to beat them. And that's and that's what they did. Instead of trying to 
match what Liverpool does best, they mm-hmm. did what Tottenham has been doing best this season, which is playing controlled possession, get it to a score, and right now they're putting it in the back of the net. And that that's that's what's working for Spurs. And the fact they mm-hmm. didn't go away from that is, I think, is one of the biggest con- contributors to why Liverpool didn't win this game. And the way I've seen that is, also, you know, everybody's talked about over the last few years how, you know, Spurs, the the players have been maturing, and you know, you see them getting better year in year out. I also think this is a maturation also of Mauricio Pochettino, mm-hmm. who. You know, for for as long as he's been at Spurs, has you know this is the match that has just it's been him banging his head against the wall. You know, can, it's it's been his version of you know insanity. Yeah. You know, which is doing the same thing over and over, getting the same <laughs> result, and it's a yeah. bad result. Yes. Uh, and this time, finally, I think he sat there and said, "You know what? Yes, we are a high pressing club." That has not worked against this team. <laughs> and once again, I mean, we talked about it, you know, we talked about earlier with Liverpool and their speed. Liverpool are just a team that offensively, offensively can be absolutely, to borrow uh, from Ray Hudson, magisterial. Yes, yes. Um, and Spurs, the la- especially the last uh, three, four years, Spurs have just played into their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, they come up, they press high. Shit! All it takes is one good pass from Liverpool or one good nick and go from Liverpool, and they turn. Liverpool just turned defense into offense so quickly, and that is how they got their goal. But that exactly. was like the only time in the match that that ever uh-huh. actually happened, and it didn't come off of uh-huh. Spurs high pressing. It came off of what was maybe sort of almost a foul, but not. Yeah. It, it was it was close, but probably a good no call. It's but yeah, yeah, you know, it is what it is. And Harry Kane's never going to get a foul call. Um, but at the end of the day, that was it. It wasn't because Spurs were high pressing. It was just they lost the ball in midfield and Liverpool turned it into a, a transition goal. But that was right. like one of really the only times in the match, as far as I remember, that that actually mm-hmm. happened. Exactly. Um, Spurs, even without those two sitting midfielders, mm-hmm. Spurs were so good in midfield, mm-hmm. uh, just did what they wanted, really controlled the match. Liverpool looked slow in midfield on the day. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I don't know if, I don't know if it was hangover from Champions League or what. Well, and that's something else they I just want to talk didn't about. look good at all. But uh, but anyway, but but just uh, getting back to what I was saying though, that just sure. I believe I believe that showing and maturing even more as a manager for Pochettino. Mm-hmm. To say, look, I can't go with my biggest strength, mm-hmm. but my next five strengths right below my biggest strength, man, we can have a field day with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. I, I, I would do want to say one more thing, and, and I don't want to make this as an excuse because I don't think it should be because we can, again, look at the other side of the pitch and see that that excuse doesn't really work. And that mm-hmm. is injuries. You you, mm-hmm. you talked about the midfield, you know, and, and what immediately springs to mind when you say the midfield is slow is, well, there's no Adam Lallana there. Uh, there's, you know, you know, I'm not sure exactly where he'd be playing in this offense, but there's no Sadio Mane right now. Well, if um, you if you assume that Mane would be, Tino would be in that midfield. True. So that's, 
that's yeah. that's more speed in the midfield, mm-hmm. um, and that's and that's one of those things where and and the reason I say Spurs, you know, can be an example of this is, well, they didn't have Vincent Wanyama, Victor Wanyama, who right. was huge last year from them. Basically, it hasn't played this year. Musa um, Dembele is a little hurt. Danny Rose is literally just coming back. Ben Davis is just coming back. Uh, Aaron Lamella is just coming back and and mm-hmm. still hasn't played a match yet. This is another team that has also dealt with injuries, but right. has found ways around it. But still, when when you bring up those other issues, there are fixes that are hopefully coming that you don't have to wait to January for. True. Um, you know, Lalana should be back in November. Mane should be back in November. Um, I mean, those are going to be held. You know, Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too. I don't. I don't want to take. I don't want to take away from tr- what Trent did, mm-hmm. but I think Trent kind of got caught in a moment that was a little big for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's eighty thousand people at Wembley. I mean, exactly. That's, that's I mean, basically your first trip to Wembley. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm I'm really I'm one of those I'm really really excited for Trent Alexander Arnold. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in in some of these matches, he is he's somewhat found out as a defender. I mean, now look, there's also a there is a very big school of thought out there from a, a big Liverpool contingent that Trent is actually going to be more of not to, not to heap expectations here, <laughs> but he's actually more like Gareth Bale. Mm-hmm. Where you know Gareth Bale started his career as a fullback before moving into the midfield and moving forward, mm-hmm. the the thought on Trent Alexander Arnold is that's what he's going to do. Is you know he, he let's suppose in three years they're not expecting him to be a fullback, right? They're expecting him to be more of an attacking midfielder. So you know he's doing a job back there, but I think having someone back like Klein. Mm-hmm. I think that that'll that'll uh, even out that'll even out that back a little bit, you know, because you've got you know the the story of you know Alberto Moreno on the left, where you know he's he's back and he's playing well this year. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put Nathaniel Klein in there with him, then that means Moreno is the going forward guy and Klein's more the defensive guy, mm-hmm. and I think that that would just offer a little more balance. Because Trent is more of a an attacker, um, and you know, even with Trent not really, I'm not saying obviously Trent didn't play in this match, but you know, you had a youngster out there in Joe Gomez. Mm-hmm. Gomez had to move to the center when Lovren came out. I mean, they moved Emery Chan back there to right back. That's not that's not good. Yeah, that's not where he needs to be. The last time he was playing right back, you know, things were falling apart under Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> so um you know but but just getting Klein back hopefully that'll solidify that right side and you can still play Gomez over there some you can still play Trent some but you don't have to rely on those youngsters then at, at that fullback position and that'll help Liverpool but you know like you said man everybody's got injuries and you know yeah Liverpool's just happened to be Mane's Mane's our best player mm-hmm and that sucked to lose him. Um, and Lalana is Lalana is kind of like this engine for us. And another mm-hmm. thing about Liverpool's press that you haven't seen a ton of this year, Lalana's the guy who drives that press. Yeah. 
So, you know, you just, you've got the hope that when Lalana comes back, he can get back into shape quickly mm-hmm. because Lalana is somewhat unheralded because, you know, every, you know, English people, of course, hate English players. Deep oh, down, yeah. they hate their own players. <laughs> so Lalana doesn't get the credit that if, if he was, you know, they use a joke on men and blazers that he had the most, he's the most Italian English player <laughs> of all because he has some flair and he has an Italian side of name. If he actually was Italian, they, you know, he would get, he'd be like on Silva level maybe. <laughs> but unfortunately, he's English. So he, he's white and he's English. So, and he came from Southampton. So, poor Lamont. Just, just like but, that. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's still a work in progress for Liverpool, but they just, they need to start turning some of those ones into threes. Well, and as you said, they will have a chance to do that as we take a look at this weekend's fixture list. Uh, Starting 7.30 a.m., it is Tottenham versus Manchester United at Old Trafford. Uh, That is a big one. These two teams level in the table. Um, So we're going to see who can take that one. Um, At 10 a.m., you get Arsenal versus Swansea, Liverpool versus Huddersfield at Anfield, uh, Crystal Palace versus West Ham, Watford versus Stoke, and West Brom versus Man City. And at 12.30, you get what could be entertaining, Bournemouth versus Chelsea, with the way Chelsea's been giving up goals this year. But we'll see if anything actually comes out of that. On Sunday, you get Brighton and Hove versus Southampton at 9.30. And at noon, you get Leicester versus Everton in what could have been the Sean Dyche Derby, but it's not. Um, And then Monday afternoon, Monday night football, basically at 4 p.m., all of that British time zone changing. Uh, it is Burnley versus Newcastle at Turf Moor. Quick look at the standings now in the table. Uh, Man City leads with 25 points. Uh, United and Tottenham both have 20. Chelsea and Arsenal both have 16. Watford now in 6 with 15. Then Newcastle right behind them with 14. And Burnley and Liverpool right there with 13 in the top half of the table. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, it's currently Stoke on goal differential who sits just outside with 8 points. Uh, also with 8 points is Everton, but with a worse goal differential, they are 18th. Uh, Bournemouth are in 19th with 7 points, and Crystal Palace are in dead last with just 3 points. Uh, so, quick quick trip to the League Cup, which I refuse mm-hmm. to say it's a sponsorship name because fuck you, they're not paying me money. Um... What are they? Do we even know what the hell they are? They are Thailand's second best energy drink. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's bad. Yes, it is. Just like that's this just, just, just like this tournament. Um, Arsenal beats Norwich 2-1 in added extra time. Uh, they got a brace from an 18-year-old who wouldn't have been playing if this wasn't the League Cup. Uh, Bournemouth beats Middlesbrough 3-1. Bristol beats Crystal Palace 4-1. Um, so, sorry, Crystal Palace. Uh, Leicester beats Leeds 3-1. In the Pep Petrovich Derby, I believe is what we're calling this now. Sure. Sure. Uh, uh, Manchester City draws Wolves 0-0, even into added extra time. Man City wins 4-1 on penalties because Wolves... Nick Petrovich can't. was losing his shit. I bet he was. I was sad. I, I wanted Wolf to watch it on a legal stream somewhere. Of, of course. That's he does most Wolves matches. Oh, he has to. Well, I mean, they're leading the championship, so maybe maybe next oh, year. Yeah, he won't. yeah it's, it's interesting at the top of the championship. 
What's really interesting is the bottom of the championship. Yeah. We're in the relegation zone. Is Sunderland? <laughs> I would. I, it's. I just keep. I'm just going to keep picking them every year to be in the relegation zone, and eventually they're just going to be in League Two, and it's going to be Never funny. Stop. The curse of Moyes. Never stop. Uh, Manchester United goes to Swansea and gets a 2-0 win. Chelsea beats Everton 2-1. And West Ham come back from 2-0 down at Wembley to beat Tottenham 3-2. Um, we don't know the draw yet because I thought they used to do the draw after the last set of matches. I guess they're doing it tomorrow. Who gives a shit? Nobody. That's who. Um, so we'll move on to, to a quick Europa League roundup. Uh, of what happened with our English clubs, our great English clubs. Um, Everton, we'll hear more about this in news and notes. Um, they are currently in last place in Group E with just one point uh, as they fell at home at Goodison uh, to Lyon 2-1. Uh, one of the great Trores, Bertrand Trore this time, he had the winner in the, 60, or the 75th minute, uh, much to the chagrin of Ashley Williams. Um, so that's... That's Bertrand how uh, is a, uh, Bertrand is a uh, Chelsea loan. I mean, of course, isn't like half the world the Chelsea loan. Well, well, I mean, I, you know, I don't even have to research that. I can just kind of throw that out there. People, uh, yeah, he's right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Um, Arsenal needed a late, 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 late winner from Olivier Giroud um, to beat Red Star Belgrade uh, on the road and get a one nil win. Uh, Arsenal now top group H. Uh, with nine points, uh, the master Bates uh, are in uh, second place with four points, as well as Belgrade, who also have four points. FC Köln are in last with zero, and that's all the Europa talk you're getting out of us, except for news and notes, which is what we're getting into now. Um, it's always good when the uh, the headline of an article reads, "I am ashamed of what I've done." <laughs> <laughs> God, it's like it's like looking into my life, and you think, oh, that's that's the best part of the headline. No, it gets better because oh. the next part is Everton fan who brawled while holding three year old <laughs> breaks silence in first interview. This was an article in the Mirror. Um, he's he's been banned because Everton and Leon got into a bit of a fracas on one of those great European nights in Goodison. Um, and, uh, because Ashley Williams decided to start pushing a bunch of people and Leon didn't like that. And then I will will say, I I watched some of the replay. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ashley Williams, literally the, the keeper was walking to put the ball down to kick a, Mm -hmm. uh, goal kick. Mm -hmm. And Ashley Williams just shoved him, shoved him right into a wall and knocked him down. Yeah. Just... Ashley Williams is a piece of shit. <laughs> Ashley Williams went from Euro 2016 to being kind of likable with that Wales squad to being no. just an abject asshole. He's like, a piece of shit. Like, how dare you? So he does he's, that. He's he's one of the epitome of where they go and they spend money thinking they're getting something and they just get pieces of shit. That's Except for you, Jordan Pickford. You're great. Yeah. That's how I like to keep throwing out there. You're great, Jordan Pickford. You really want him to just pack his bags and move to the other side of Mercy. I really you? want them to just get relegated so they have to send them to us. <laughs> oh, there it is. Um, all of our issues with one slip. So, yeah, a whole bunch of people then, because this fight took place right at the base of the stadium, uh, a lot of fans were able to get through an unclosed gate and start joining in the fun, including this man 
who again was holding a three-year-old while trying yep. to throw throw hands, trying to catch hands with some people. Um, yep. That was that was not good. Um, as he said, I like it. Quote, but I'm ashamed of what I've done. I already know I'm not a fucking dickhead. He then goes on. Sorry, if you're if you're describing yourself in a publication as not a fucking dickhead, you're a fucking dickhead. <laughs> well, because then he has great follow quotes like this. Um, he accused the players of putting his son in danger by swinging their arms and added, they're supposed to be setting an example as professional athletes to when Charles Barkley started chortling. And then another one like this saying, before I knew it, I was through the gate, which should have been shut. Everton should have provided adequate security. Well, if there's one thing adequate, uh, one thing Everton haven't done this year is play good defense. So, um, oh, expected to start then. Exactly. I knew I'd put myself in that dangerous position. It was not intentional, but I'd been too concentrated on screaming abuse at the players for being shit. And before I knew it, I was let down there. Then it was like, fucking hell, what's going on? And it looks the way it looks. But again, I'm not a fucking dickhead. You know? And I, this guy, this guy is the reason that, like, people hate millennials. I like this one. I like this one. Cantona ran off the pitch, gave a fan a kung fu kick in the chest, and I'm the worst thing in football? Are they deluded? Oh my god. Something that happened 25 years ago. It doesn't look the best on video, but I know what happened and what I intended to do. That's why I'm so aggrieved. Sir, the only thing that could have made it better. Oh my god, the Astros just tied it in the top of the ninth with a home run. Oh, I need to put this on. It's three to three. The Dodgers have two hits tonight, and they're both home runs. One of them is Corey Seager. Oh my god, Corey Seager. Wow. Wow. Um, Seagers. Okay, so anyway. Um, let, let's let's put it into context. Kent Sanad did not kick a three-year-old. <laughs> yeah. He did not, he did not kick, kick a person holding, holding a three-year-old. A three-year-old. He was not holding a three-year-old when he said Kung Fu kick. This guy is the this guy is the epitome of a fucking dickhead. I mean, you know what? A, A, there's no damn way in the world that I'm even giving you an interview with any sort of quote for this. Yeah. You know, as a person, I am I am so going to the mattresses on this, it's not funny. You may identify me. You will never hear any sort of a quote from me about this. Mm-hmm. But then B to, okay, you started off by saying, yeah, you know what I did wrong. Yeah. That's where you needed to stop, sir. <laughs> That's it. That's because it. That's you all you did after wrong. that is make yourself look like the biggest douchebag moron on earth. And as I said, it, he he, what he said is like the epitome of what a... 60-year-old person would say, yep, that's a damn millennial. I have no idea how old this guy was. He may not be a millennial. But I'm just saying, that is, that's like the, that's, that's like the, um, the way that a millennial is seen as, okay, I did something stupid, but it's not my fault. Hmm. You know, all these circumstances made me do these things. You know, they didn't shut the gate. The players were swinging at me. After I went through a gate, I shouldn't have gone through. <laughs> Which should have been close. Uh, that's the close yeah, fault. Should... Yeah, that's their fault. It's their fault that I went through an open gate that I knew I wasn't supposed to go through. It. Their fault for having the gate open. 
it's it's <laughs> I don't want to get political on this, but it's kind it's kind of it's kind of like um it's kind of like Diane Feinstein at times. Well, the gun was there, so the guy had no choice but to shoot someone. What? Come on, that makes no damn sense. Aww. He said his uh, ex phoned in tears amid a fear social services might get involved. Quote, I live with my mom. I don't know what service social services want to see me for. So. Oh, my gosh. Uh, anyway, so that happened. So, European nights and... And, and, and all I can just say is... Remember, folks, this is an Everton fan. Yeah. He's on the blue side of mercy. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It's, it's a man who pulls for Wayne Rooney. Um, managerial news, because we've already talked about Everton getting rid of Coleman. Um, and I mentioned how, ill tongue-in-cheekly, Leicester versus uh, Everton was the Sean Dyche Derby. Um, and it's not, because Leicester have actually got their man. And it's going to be Claude Poyel, who you may remember... As last time we saw him getting one season at Southampton and like unlike most of his players not getting a move to Liverpool. Um this <laughs> was this that. I did he did. Um he, he did of course reach the League Cup final uh, where they lost to Manchester United in that great match. Um uh, but after that they kind of just fell apart the rest of the way through the season Southampton did. Um so it's 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 going to be interesting. Um, as we mentioned last year when we were introducing Puyel when he took over at Southampton, um, it, it was going to be interesting to see how he would handle the Premier League previously being at Monaco, Leo, Leon, and Nice. Um, I, I, I know. That was for you. Um, so we'll be... I'm, I'm, I'm holding my tongue up. I know. Uh, so we'll be interesting to see how he, he takes over at Southampton. I mean, this is a club that... You know, Wes, I mean, they're kind of at crossroads right now. Not just, I mean, Virgil van Dyke is probably the biggest representation of that. But this was a team that was, like, on the rise. They had a lot of good young talent. They were mm-hmm. fighting to get into that top seven, top six, maybe top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now they've just kind of reverted to being a, a sort of just mid-table club. And mm-hmm. and I don't know why I'm talking about Southampton anymore. Leicester, on the other hand, Leicester... You know, they, they fire Shakespeare. They, they're coming off. They're also at tra- crossroads. That's where it's coming from. Um, and, and, and it's just going to be interesting to see what did he learn from Southampton and what can he do to Leicester to push them back up the table? I mean, for a guy with his resume, City doesn't really sound like a place that he would end up. You know, it's one of those hirings... It could kind of go either way. It could inspire Lester, get them back on a good run, or things could continue to go south. Um, yeah, Puel's done pretty good jobs most places he's gone. Yeah, they got a got Southampton into a league final, league cup final. And then it was just the league cup, I believe. Yes. Fort Springer just hit a double. Mm. Um. Two up double. Kimley Jansen's getting lit up, by the way. I, I, I'm <clears> watching <throat> on the uh, the at bat app. Oh, okay, okay. So you're probably 20 seconds behind me, so I'm telling you everything as usual. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, just for Lester, 
Leicester kind of at this crossroad where you've got some superstar players mm-hmm. who unfortunately don't really play like superstars. Yeah. I mean, Vardy's going to give you... The thing is, Jamie Vardy gives you everything he has. I can't take anything away from Vardy. Vardy just literally had a season where everything went in. Mm-hmm. And he's not that striker. You know? <laughs> That's not the kind of striker he really is. He just yeah. had a season where everything went right. Um, Mares, Mares has shown that he's got true quality. Mm-hmm. But the thing is... It, you know, Mares would be perfect for Arsenal. You know, especially if they're gonna, you know, they're gonna sell Ozil. They're gonna need a, they're gonna need another malcontent who just shows up when he feels <laughs> like it. And that's kind of what Mares was. You know, there were talks about linking Mares and Liverpool. And I'm just, please God, no, no. I just, you know, Mares just has that little attitude about him, where you know, the thing is, you know, he doesn't want to be. Yeah. But no one would buy him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of a him problem that he's still there. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's not an easy job. I still think they have enough talent to, you know, easily stay out of the relegation zone. But the magic, definitely the magic of a couple seasons ago is it's gone, man. It mm-hmm. is gone. And Leicester, they are... They are kind of what we thought they were, and it just shows what an amazingly insane season that was in the Premier League. Certainly, it was it was one to remember, and and one with a lot of guys who at the time acting very selflessly, and um, and mm-hmm. really and really buying in to a team game, um, which is something we probably won't be saying about PSG anytime soon. As <laughs> we luckily for they are just that damn good. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. Um, they do care, though, apparently, about Neymar getting his extra privileges. Now, please, folks, take this. Take this report with <laughs> a, a uh, what's the Brazilian, uh, Sugarloaf Mountain-sized grain of salt. I know the irony <laughs> of using that, but take it with that. Sugarloaf Mountain is fucking ginormous. Um, sure. This is coming from Marca. Which, as we Jesus. remember from a few weeks ago, is is Spanish for we're dog shit journalists who don't know really what the fuck we're doing, but we'll put anything out there to sell our fucking shit rag. It's, we're gonna it's tell like, you every single. We'll tell you every single week how every player in the world is gonna sign for Madrid in January. It's weird because it's kind of it's kind of like Japanese kanji where where one letter represents an entire idea, and that's that's how you can get that much long of a name into five letters. Um, but what they're saying this t- this week is that um, apparently Neymar has been getting some special treatment. Um, it sounds like he'll be getting uh, all set-piece duties next season. So that's, that's already been decided, which is great. Um, he also, yeah, it'll, it'll clear up a lot of issues. Um, he gets to carry his own personalized bag. Um, while the rest of the team has to have one with the PSG logo on it, um, he doesn't. He doesn't get tackled in 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 practice and in training. <laughs> um, oh, that was hilarious! That's my favorite. And and so he he gets to wear the red jersey just like a quarterback, just like Cam Newton. You know. Next question. Um, <laughs> so it's it's. <sighs> 
is something like this. We 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 were a little concerned when we saw the Cavani Neymar penalty dispute about a month or so ago. We we did think maybe this confluence of egos could implode on PSG. Is is this report again? If it is to be believed at all, is is this something further that could be well? If something's going to hold back PSG, this is basically it. Uh. Infighting locker room stuff has blown up more than one team, obviously, over the years. So, I mean, there's a definite chance. It just comes down to, you know, the thing is with PSG, they have a history of signing big name Brazilians. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they're sitting there with Neymar, Thiago Silva. I think Danilo was there. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. They, but you know, they've got. They've got a nice handful David of Brazilians. David Luiz, yeah, you know, and those guys, they stick together. They are tight as picks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and from what we've heard in the past, there have been kind of some mini issues with, you know, the Brazilians always wanting their way. And now, you know, you've got somebody like Danny Alves who, you know, I think Danny Alves is, is an amazing player and the guy to have around. Because when Danny Alves wants to, you know, mentor, I think he can be really good with that. Um, but Danny Alves also likes to hear himself talk, and he has been known to stir the pot. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Um, He's a habitual and, line stepper. He is a habitual line stepper, in the words of yeah, the great Charlie Murphy. Um, and I think he's kind of doing some of that shit now. Um, and it's, I think it's affecting this group. I think it's going to affect them. Now, here's the thing. They're going to be fine in France because France is, besides them, I'm not going to say it's hot garbage, but it's at least, at least a medium. It's basically a worse Germany at this point. Yeah. And and I mean, it is France and I mean, version debating as it is, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it has all of the makings of an explosive situation. It's just going to be, does it, does it actually, does, is, is the fuse ever lit and does it finally blow right. mm-hmm. Um If they can hold it together, it is a team that is good enough to make a deep run in Europe. But it is also a team that has a history of choking in Europe. And if everyone's not on the same page, that could lead to a meltdown. So, and by the way, I mean, we know who's winning in this situation. Yeah. I mean, Neymar's winning. (laughs) You know, there's, it's one of those deals. If you want to fight with Neymar, it's it's literally because you want to leave PSG. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So, I mean, you know, he who has the the rules and Neymar is the gold standard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we haven't heard much from Cavani since this, which I think is smart on Cavani's part. Mm-hmm. Because you got to realize, I don't care how long you've been there and think that you're Mr. Hotshot. I mean, the whole thing is you're you're so far below Neymar's status, it's not funny. So I think they've done a pretty good job of trying to keep themselves out of everything. Mm-hmm. But the problem, of course, is that someone like Marco, you give them a half of anything and they want to blow it up into 
you know, this massive firestorm. Yeah, mainly they do. I mean, obviously, it sells. Hey, it sells, uh, sells magazines. Uh-huh. Hey, yep. good for them. Good for them. Um, well, magazines is not what we talk about in The Watch 4. We talk about TV shows and movies and other things we are watching. Um, so, Wes, what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Oh, man. Um, I'm in I'm in a little bit of catch-up mode. I'm two episodes behind on Horror Story. Sorry. I haven't even seen last week's most twisted episode yet. No. And, unfortunately, I'm off tomorrow, and, my God, my tomorrow is looking pretty out so maybe tomorrow night i'll get to it we'll see um seal team was good again this week the brave was in this week i the brave is really starting to grow on me mm-hmm. um where you know that was one early time but i don't know that one that one's turned good i'm good with that one um god damn where's my remote i have a new show oh new show that starts on November November 6th, maybe? November 7th? Suddenly can't find the right buttons on my remote to go anywhere. I want to, t- I want to tell you about it, Ed. Wes is having to share up live on podcast. I am. Uh, it is series manager. Alright. It is called Damnation. Huh, I have not heard of this, I, I think. Um, here we go. It is, is that one word or in, two? Uh, one word. It's okay. going to be on USA. It's set in uh, the 1930s. It's a, an epic saga about the secret history of the 1930s American Heartland Centers. Um, it, is, uh, it, it revolves around, um, looks like, uh, insurrection against uh union bosses well i think it's got to do with like unions and uh insurrections against um like corporate the corporate america at that time i'm reading up on it right Uh, now yes Mm -hmm. there you go um because of course uh this is during the depression era Mm -hmm. america uh but it, it does say um mythic conflict and bloody struggle between big money and the downtrodden god and greed Charlatans and prophets, um, and the uh, the the uh, previews will look pretty good. All the commercials will look pretty. Good. But that kicks off on the seventh of November, hmm. so I do have it in me. Uh, I do have it in me. Me queue. <laughs> so I'll be telling you guys more about that as it comes, but. Uh, yeah, that's just kind of where I am. And of course, we're, we're always waiting with bated breath for Archer. One day. Whenever Archer decides it's going to come back, we will be here for you. Uh, this, uh, this is when the nerd in me starts coming out. Um, when I'm, re- I'm reading about nerd. Damnation and I'm, uh, I'm reading about who's in it, I'm like, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know. Oh, Christopher Heyerdahl's in it. I know that guy. He was on a couple episodes of Stargate and he was on the show Sanctuary. Shows nobody ever watches that I talk to. So that's, 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 that's good. But that's okay. Basically. Um... So what am I watching? Oh, I'm I'm not watching anything. I did watch the new uh, Thor trailer um, and the new Black Panther trailers. 
Shit's on fire. Ragnar- Ragnarok. Ragnarok's looking. Is Ragnar- that what we're Ragnarok. Ragnarok's looking Ragnar fucking awesome. Um, that's so that's, that that's gonna be good. Um, so though Thor comes out, I think in like two weeks. Um, that kind of snuck oh. up on me. Black Panther comes out in February. Yeah. That's gonna be awesome. I, I like I like I like the idea that was put on another podcast this week uh, by one Wooly Madden. Um, that the idea that um, do you remember when Avatar came out and uh, um, everybody uh, started getting like super depressed that they couldn't stay in whatever the place avatar takes place in because they were it was like so immersive and so beautiful or whatever they got depressed this is actually a thing that happened people came out of watching avatar and feeling sad that they couldn't actually go there Um, yeah this is why i hate people um personally never saw avatar was not in i didn't either yeah it just it looked too stupid to me yeah, well, don't worry. There's about six more coming down the pipe. It looked. Um, what, what was the word? The word is stupid. That's what it looked like. <laughs> um, so back to Mr. Madden. He uh, he, sure. he equated that to uh, how black people are going to feel coming out of uh, Black Panther. Like, oh, Wakanda looks so damn cool. It it just looks amazing. Why can't we just oh, all go there? Altuve just went yard. Why you Why you do this to me? Why? Because. Why? I like breaking news in. I'm like a pitch. I'm like three pitches away. Oh my god. Oh well. This is this is not a game seven yet. So no. <laughs> don't worry. That <laughs> that'll be next. That'll be next week's episode when you won't be on. So yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll be having to watch that in life savings. Oh, that's great. Um. Oh, yep. There it is. I, I like I like how the pitcher is pointing up. Like, hey, you guys are gonna catch that. Oh. Oh you, di- oh, you didn't. Oh, that's an- that's big unfortunate. Um, so anyway, back to what I'm watching. Um, I'm also yes. um, so, um, coming out this Friday. Um, Super Mario Odyssey, uh, the new Mario game. It looks fucking amazing. Um, really good. Nintendo has had a much better year than I think anybody would have ever thought they would have. Um, so this is this is almost the capper. It's not quite the cap. Ah, you see what I did there. For those of you who actually know what Super Mario Odyssey is, you just got that unintentional pun. Um, so anyway, that's I'm I'm very excited to play that on Friday when it comes out. Even though I'll be dead tired from work, but I don't care. I'm still gonna play probably two or three hours of it because it's great. And you throw your cap at people, you can take them over, you can you can then control them, just like dare I say, if you were a demon. And you were the demon Cain, and you and you could do that, or you were Sister Abigail. But none of these. Hello. Hello. Sorry about that. Um. So, all right, we're just gonna pick up from when I and and thank God it cut off at just the right time so I could get surprised by another Houston home run. Um, so, Damn it, I, I was begging to tell you correct. Oh, that's fine. Um, um, so I'm just gonna get restarted here with uh, how I was gonna intro us into So Raw. Um, um, I have one more thing I need to throw in for Watch Force. So. All God, right, what's going on out here? Um, but before before we get into the So Raw, West Bradshaw. You, you look like you have something to say. Do you? I look like I have something to say. Yes, since you see me. Um, and I'm John Cena. You can. 
this week, of course, marked the uh, the welcome back Cotter party for I believe it's season eight of The Walking Dead. Oh yeah, that I, I, yeah I heard about that. And I'm not gonna lie, it was a good one. All out war has begun. That's all I want. That's all I want. Walking Dead, just just fight, just fight. Um, obviously, I've got the audio up. Are people fighting in this Astros Dodgers game in the stands? There's something. That's what I'm trying to figure out. What was going on out there? That was crazy. I'm sorry. Go um. Ahead. Anyway, God, there's another hit. Oh God, that's in the gap. Oh Jesus, the Astros are amazing. Um, the the war has begun mm-hmm. on The Walking Dead. Uh, there, this episode it, it jumped to a few different things. There were callbacks to episode one of the entire show. Uh, there were, I don't know if they're flashbacks or um, uh, like visions forward going on, but there's mm-hmm. something going on that's obviously going to have to. You know, it'll it'll explain itself as the season goes. Uh, but a, I thought it was a really, really good episode. Obviously, nowhere near as anticipated as last season's first episode. Sure. Because, of course, last season they gave you pretty much the ultimate cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, but it was a very good first episode. And I think we're going to have a lot more straight-up action this year in The Walking Dead than we did in season seven. Um, you know, my son, who's a big fan of it, he said, oh, thank God. He said, season seven sucked. And I looked at him, I said, but buddy, you realize everything that happened was a result of the build that we got through season seven. You know, I have to tell my son sometimes, just like I have to tell my dear father, you know, sometimes they have to talk in the movie because that tells you the story before everything blows up. What? Yeah, exactly. My kid and my my kid and my dad skipped a generation. I got the understanding of movies. Um, my son and my dad they just they just want to see the bombs go off and things blow up. So. <laughs> Man, that's a fast car. Yeah, it's a fast car. Oh, I don't even know why he's driving. Speaking speaking yep. of 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 things blowing up, I, I heard things blew up on Raw. On Monday night. Oh, so now let's, let's get so raw. Oh, Ed Green. First, before we can get to raw itself, Ed, we must travel back another day to TLC. Oh, tables, yeah. mm. ladders, and chairs. That's yep. Vince McMahon, what's it? Mm-hmm. Um, before we can even get to the pay-per-view, we have to turn off the screen Issues that went down as two of Raw's biggest stars and one, maybe the biggest star in the WWE right now, uh, first Bray Wyatt, then Roman Reigns, were all ruled out for Sunday's pay-per-view due to what has been reported as being viral meningitis, Uh, which is not good by any means. Um of course, the two of the biggest matches on the card, one was Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor. The other, of course, the the first match after the reunion of The Shield. And all of a sudden, you, you know, both these matches have massive changes because, I mean, you know, The Shield is Ambrose Rollins and Roman Reigns. What the hell? Yeah. Um, so what we ended up having was <clears throat> in the Bray Wyatt... Um, 
Finn Balor match, we actually got a dream match as AJ Styles appeared to wrestle Finn Balor. Um, Styles, of course, one of the top superstars on SmackDown. He came, he flew all the way from Santiago, Chile, where SmackDown was on tour over the weekend, got back, worked the pay-per-view. And what, what you've just got to understand is for those of us more hardcore wrestling fans, such as myself, these were the two former leaders of the Bullet Club uh, in, in the Japan days as Finn Balor, then known as Prince Devitt, actually founded the Bullet Club. And after he left and went to WWE, here came AJ Styles to assume the mantle as the leader. of. So, you know, these two guys, one's OG Bullet Club, the other one's the guy who started leading them to their the height of their success. Mm-hmm. And strangely, over the years, these two had never fought against each other. Um, it just it had, it had never happened. Um, and here we were, we were getting a dream match, and it was it was a really good match. I, I think they have the potential to have a better match. Because then once again, AJ Styles had just taken like a 16-hour plane flight to get there and kind of went out and did it cold. <laughs> um, I, I, I cannot wait because I've just got to assume one day that we're going to get the buildup and we're going to get a real program out of this, which could be magnificent. But these two went at it. They are two of the best in the world uh, all over the place, and they put on a really, really good show. Uh, Finn Balor ended up going over on Styles, as you would assume he would with – of course, Balor being the Raw superstar at the Raw pay-per-view. After it was over, Ed, the moment that launched a thousand nerd wrestling loads. Mm. Mm. Styles and Balor stand in the middle of the ring and give each other a too sweet. Too sweet. And that's right, Ed. We can call it a too sweet because sponsored event. And yeah. WWE, as we know, does own the rights of this. Not those, not those dirty, dirty young bucks who were sent a season. <laughs> dirty boys, young bucks. Um, but anyway, that match was that was a that was a match of the year candidate. And like I said, I think they can do much better even than what they did, and that's what's sweet about it. Uh, in the main event, Roman Reigns ends up being replaced by Kurt Angle. That's right. The general manager himself who had not wrestled in a WWE ring. Kurt Angle makes his return and helps the Shield defeat the team of The Miz, The Bar, who are uh, Cesaro and Sheamus, uh, Kane and Braun Strowman. One of the things that ended up happening was Kane and Braun Strowman imploded and that's that's leading to what I believe we're going to see at uh, Survivor Series is going to be Kane and Strowman, um, the two giants. Uh, that that went totally haywire. It was a crazy, crazy handicap match. Angle was taken out of the arena uh, due to injury. He ended up coming back, helping save the day. As you know, at the end, the the Shield plus Kurt Angle uh, hit the Miz with a triple power bomb for the victory. Uh, it was it was great. It was fun. Um, Rollins and Ambrose are back in tactical gear. 
they're coming through the crowd. They're playing the the old Shield music, Sierra Hotel, India, Colina Delta. I am I am so in love with this Shield reunion. It is it is <laughs> it's hitting me right in the feels. Um, well, on Monday night, uh, as Raw kicks off, now Raw does explode toward the end, but the start, man, what a start! Um, Kurt Angle comes to the ring. He is then. Um, he is then somewhat trapped in the ring by Seamus Cesaro, Miz, and this time Curtis Axel, part of the Miz Tourage. And Rollins and Ambrose come out to his rescue, and we end up, Angle makes a six-man tag team match. Uh, that's going to be Cesaro, Seamus, and the Miz versus The Shield. And when they needed a third partner, he said, not me tonight. Welcome out, AJ Styles. Mm. And you know, you know mm. West Markdown's so big. My God. Yes, in, in back-to-back nights, AJ Styles wrestles Finn Balor and then wrestles with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Uh, by the way, I'm also still waiting for my dream match of Seth Rollins and, um, <laughs> and AJ Styles. That's going to be amazing. When that ever happens one day, that's going to be amazing. Um, they... God, it was great. I mean, the chemistry is really good between the three of them. Um, I actually put up a tweet. I was like, <clears throat> does anyone else have a problem with maybe just dropping reins and adding styles to the shield? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I would actually kind of totally be down for that. A uh, really good match, though. Um, styles ends up hitting Miz with a victory. And uh, they get the win on the night. Really good match. Uh, Kane then comes out and cleans house of uh, Styles and the Shield. And he cuts a promo on Braun Strowman, who we do not see on the night. And basically, you can tell they're going to lead up to uh, being the the big man versus big man match at uh, Survivor Series, which is your next pay-per-view coming up. Um Real quick, we got some match announcements. Uh, Survivor Series is kind of the that's that's the pay per view, the co branded pay per view, where you're. It looks like that's going to be the one where they really push the cross promotional matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get champion versus champions in those matches. You're going to have a uh, women's ty- a women's match between the two champions. Now that said, titles will not be on the line, uh, but you're going to get uh, Alexa Bliss. Dang it. Okay, it went off good. You're gonna get um, <laughs> you're gonna get Bliss versus Natalia. Uh, they're the two women's champions. Uh, you're gonna get the Miz versus Baron Corbin. Oh my god! Oh my god! And you'll see it in about thirty seconds. Okay. Uh, you're gonna get Baron Corbin versus um, the Miz, which is the U.S. champion versus the Intercontinental champion. You're gonna get uh, the Shield, Ambrose and Rollins. Uh, taking on the Usos, which that, oh, that has potential to be match of the night. That is going to be fantastic. Uh, that is, oh, man, those are two just top-notch tag teams. And and, and you that's really the one you've got the intense baby face in the shield versus mm-hmm. the intense heels in the Usos. That is going to be super when that happens. And uh, Brock Lesnar comes out and accepts. Jinder Mahal's uh, challenge. So we're going to get the WWE champion Jinder Mahal versus the Universal champion and Brock Lesnar. Did you just see what happened? Yes, I did. 
My God. This game. The Dodgers have now scored on three home runs. That's it. They've got three hits. They've got three bombs. Oh, Jesus. Um, so those are matches announced. And also it's announced two five-on-five eliminations which are kind of survival Survivor Series uh, staples. We're going to have a women's match. Mm-hmm. So the ladies of Raw versus the ladies of SmackDown, that's going to be good. And then the uh, traditional men's match. Now, we do not know who the teams are yet. Uh, Kurt Angle, and, and that gets us, into, gets us into what happened at the end of the night on Raw, where Kurt Angle was coming out to announce his five-man team and all of a sudden, instead, we hear Shane McMahon's music. And then, as he's as Angle's standing there staring at the ramp, no one's coming out. All of a sudden, they shine a light up into the audience. And much, I think, the exact same uh, route the Shield took earlier down to the ring. Here came Shane McMahon with half of the SmackDown roster with him. <laughs> I mean, he had he had the New Day. He had um, he had AJ Styles. He had Nakamura. He had uh, Baron Corbin. Um, he had some of the women with him. He had Becky Lynch. Uh, Carmella was there. Natalia was there. Uh, Rusev was there. Thank God, Rusev was there. He's he's magnificent. And, and a host of others. And Shane McMahon got a microphone and said, "I just want you to know this is a siege." We're here to take over Raw tonight. At which point, Kurt Angle kind of hightailed it out of the ring toward the back. Shane McMahon looked at him and said, go get him. So up goes about the 20-man SmackDown roster (laughs) at this point. And they go into the backstage, and they literally destroy everyone they see. Um, Now, of course, there are a few notable people they did not destroy because no one touches Brock Lesnar. We know that. Um, uh, there were a handful, a few people that we didn't know you didn't see the Miz or uh, you know, Sheamus or Cesaro. You didn't see Braun Strowman. Um, I was sitting there saying to myself, well, you don't see the Shield. And then the very last one you see was the SmackDown crew coming around a corner and Rollins and Ambrose, like, trying to run an ambush uh, where they, they, like, jump off some uh, some storage crates. And they take out a few people, but they're just completely overwhelmed by the numbers game, which is somewhat ironic because that's how the Shield have made their living is the numbers game. Um, and basically, that's how that's how Raw ends, is SmackDown kills everybody. <laughs> and they leave Kurt Angle standing in the ring, and Shane's like, all right, let's go, we're out of here. And they leave. So um, that's how Raw ends. We go into SmackDown the next night, and kind of the theme of the entire show is they're just waiting for Raw's retaliation. And by the end of the night, the retaliation never comes. Mm. Now, you're starting to see for the first time some dissension between Daniel Bryan, the general manager, and Shane McMahon, uh, pretty much like the chairman of SmackDown, there's some dissension. Daniel Bryan was not happy with the way Shane McMahon ran that siege on Monday. He he did not agree with it. He was not happy with it. And he said, you know, I understand what you did. He said, but you're all you've done is bring unnecessary heat on us, and now we're having to walk while they're coming. 
And when Shane, Shane's been a little cocky on this, Shane said, no, they're not coming, they're not coming. So at the end of the night when they don't come, you see Shane and Daniel Bryan talking, and Shane says, huh, well, I told you they weren't coming tonight. And Daniel Bryan said, yep, they didn't come tonight. He said, still a long ways to go to SmackDown in your, yeah. to Survivor Series, and you can guarantee we're going to get hit. So uh, they did uh, They did uh, find the first member of their five-man team as uh, Randy Orton beat Sami Zayn in a qualification match. So Randy Orton is the first person officially in this 10-man elimination match. Um, the continuing saga of Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus Shane, that kept going um, as you know, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens figure, well, obviously you've got to build this team around us. Well, now Zane's already been eliminated from attention, so I've got to figure Kevin Owens is going to end up on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see how the teams pan out, uh, just because you would have figured Ambrose and Rollins would be there, but they're already in a tag team match. That they're not going to be in it. Obviously, I think if they can get Roman healthy, they'll be in it. I've got to figure they're going to well, no, because Braun Strowman's probably going to fight uh, Kane. <sighs> I don't know who's going to be in it for uh, for Raw, but I mean for SmackDown, for SmackDown it looks very kind of forward. I mean, you know, you've got Orton, you've got Styles, you've got Nakamura, um, and then probably most likely Kevin Owens, which that gives you three bad, three good guys and a bad guy, and then I would figure another bad guy to kind of even that out a little bit. Um. But you know, maybe you could put Rusev on there or something. But I don't know, man. It's it's interesting though, and this whole siege thing, this invasion angle that they're running. I'm I'm down with it, man. Hey, it's it's exciting. It gives you something. So, uh, keep it going, WWE. Let's, let's see where we go on our journey to the Survivor Series. The the ultimate ambush is the one that never comes. And, and, and Raj just every week it's gonna be oh this is gonna be the week no oh this is gonna be the week I probably no what was that on God there was oh it seems like there was some show maybe it was on Archer <laughs> I can't probably <laughs> uh, if, if so it probably happened to Archer probably every, everything eventually rips off Archer um, sure. but that's gonna do it here for episode one hundred and eighty one of the Foreign Affair podcast um, I will be back next week. Uh, to recap this weekend's matches from the Premier League, as well as next week's Champions League matches, because it will be another Champions League Tuesday, Mm -hmm. Wednesday. um, And we'll be doing that. Um, Wes may drop by um, from the car to give us his thoughts in uh, Anfield Corner, as well as what's going on with uh, the world of wrestling. And if that big ambush ever comes through, um, we'll, we'll hear about it. So, um, that's, that's the podcast. Uh, once again, we are brought to you by NGSC sports at ngscsports.com. We never stop. You can find them on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter at AFA pod. Wes, you are. I'm at West Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, the all new sports show. You can email us all new sports show at gmail.com. And lastly, we want to thank our podcast providers, podbean.com, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Play Music, and the iTunes Music Store. Um, so I'll be back next week. But before we get out of here, Wes, is there anything else you'd like to add? Holy shit, this game's taking another turn. And two-out walk has the winning run at the plate. 
And it's uh, it's uh, Kiko Hernandez. Yep. Dodger fans are going crazy. It's nuts. Holy crap, what a game this is. Um, high school football season is rapidly coming to an end. Uh, two weeks left of regular season football. It's crazy. Two weeks left. And folks, if you go outside in Eastern North Carolina, feels like football season yay finally god which is that's super so uh yeah had a had a great state fair last week and now we have this so oh my god pass ball wild pitch whatever you want to call it <laughs> oh my god time runs at second all right that's that's all i got man i'm dying on, i'm dying on this game where i'm complete neutral now um I mean, really i don't i don't hate either of them i kind of like them both so it's almost like these are the two best teams in baseball squaring off in the World Series. It's crazy. Um, I, I will say I, I was I was on our favorite fo- uh, high school football site, GoBigGreen.net, and I was just looking through some stuff, and I, I was going through Tarboro's results this year. Yeah. They have, for every point they have given up this year, for every singular point they have given up, they have scored 13 in response. Yeah, I mean, they're. I think they're up to six shutouts now. I think so. Yeah, uh, I'm literally telling you, man. They're they're they will not be tested in the earliest of the third round of the playoffs. I don't think to the Eastern Finals. That's crazy. So they're that's so good. That's a different show and a different podcast. We will leave you now here from the Afford Fair podcast for McCollin Crime, Wes Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green, and as always, folks, stay safe and enjoy the football. Good night, Los Angeles. You guys are gonna need some sleep after this. Ooh. And after you, wanna... you get through that, and th- after you get through that massive traffic, because all the Dodger fans are actually staying. You want to talk about where? You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.